Hey there, my name is Ricky Smith, and I'm the founder of Random Acts of Kindness Everywhere, a nonprofit that simply does exactly what it says promote kindness everywhere. We know the world is crazy right now. If you are searching for a podcast that has a deeper conversation about race, my co host Angel Gray and I will be discussing everything going on right now on our podcast, Random Acts of Podcast, on Blue Wire Podcast Network. To find out more, go to rakenow.org. Enjoy the show. Warriors, warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. Welcome to the RJ Ringside Podcast. This is Heidi Fang here, and I'm joined with Adam Hill, and we're going to be talking everything UFC. The event just wrapped up here at the Apex. I want to remind everybody to check out our sponsor, betonline.ag. We're currently waiting to hear from Cynthia Calville, who put on an outstanding performance in her debut at Flyweight against Jessica I, taking a unanimous decision. Adam, what did you think about this fight? Yeah, I mean, I think it was a case where Cynthia Calvillo wanted the fight on the ground. She wanted to get the fight to the ground. And when it got there, she was dominant. I felt like she absolutely had control. Jessica, I had no answer on the ground. But I think the more surprising part was that even on the feet, Cynthia Calvillo, I, I said in my story, she held her own. I think she was actually the better striker in this fight, except for certain stretches in the fifth round where Jessica I had some success a little bit in the first round as well. You saw Jessica I have some success, but Cynthia Calvillo moves up. She had a short, short notice for this fight, a short training camp. Gyms were closed for the most part in Northern California. Uh, so for her to move up and beat the number one contender at flyweight, really, really impressive performance by Cynthia Calvillo, who is now one of those new contenders. We've been looking for new blood at 125. I think we might've found it with Cynthia Calvillo tonight. And she's already got people looking and taking notice is a call out on Twitter yeah. right after the fight from Caitlin Chikagan. Um, do you think that that would be a good matchup for her next? I think it would be a really interesting matchup. I like that matchup. I like that fight. But here's the thing. The Calderwood and Shevchenko fight is not that far off. Uh, I think Cynthia Calvillo is a very, very likely candidate to maybe step in there if something happened uh, with uh, with Joanne Calderwood there. So I think she'll keep herself open, not take a fight, and then we'll see what she's able to do. Because even if, even if she doesn't get in there, if she's not a replacement, she might be in line to fight the winner of that fight. Like She is a person that has some star power, that has the potential to really draw a lot of fans and draw a lot of eyes. So uh, I think that she'll uh, she'll be in the mix there. When you look at just the, the fighter that she was, she talked about uh, Jessica I up here on the podium and said that during the weigh-in, Jessica I was likely much heavier than uh, actually came out on the scale because she was grabbing inside the curtain. Uh, what did you make of all that? Uh, do you think that that's true? Do you think that Jessica I kind of tried to cheat the system? Yeah, well, I talked to people from both camps about this, so I have a little bit more information, I think, than came out. So what what Cynthia Calvillo accused Jessica I of, and a lot of people did yesterday, of saying that she was definitely three and a half pounds over and that she was going to miss by three and a half pounds, but when she stepped on the scale, she grabbed onto the uh, the little the uh, curtain, I guess that you would call it, that's around her, and used that to kind of take some of the pressure off the scale and make weight at one, or excuse, not make it, but get there at 126.25 instead of 129.5, which is where she was uh, 20 minutes or so earlier. Now, the only thing that really this really matters for is that you know she could come out and say, hey, listen, I was that close. And if it was a certain amount over, 
uh, Calvillo would have got 30% of the purse instead of 25%, but that number supposedly coming out of those camps is four pounds. So if she was at 130, it would have been 30% of the purse. So at that point, uh, that at that point she's taking money away from Calvillo uh, by doing that little trick, if she did it. Uh, in this case, it really wouldn't have mattered, 25%, whether it was just over uh, or much over. In fact, it was an extra 5% because Jessica had missed two in a row, and they made that, that kind of settlement of, hey, listen, it probably would have been 20%, but since it's two fights in a row now, it's going to be 25%. If it was four pounds over, it would have been 30%, but I don't really think that she was at that level. A lot of people were concerned for Jessica I's health, uh, but I mean, obviously weight cutting is a nasty business for any fighter. It's grueling on your body. Then you go out there and you compete. Uh, where does Jessica I go from here? She's a natural flyweight. Uh, she's missed twice. Dana said that she needs to get her weight under control. Uh, the performance tonight wasn't great against Cynthia. I mean, I don't know if it was just because of the weight cut or she, her head wasn't in the game. I, there, I, there could be a many reasons why the performance was what it was, but what do you think Jessica I should do next? Look back to going to bantamweight, stay at flyweight, what's next for her? Yeah, I mean, I think she stays at flyweight. Flyweight has always been where she should have been. She didn't really fit at bantamweight. She was just there because there was no flyweight division. She is a 25 pounder, um, and I think she's a legitimate contender. I think she's had a couple of struggles lately. Of course, the knockout against Shevchenko, but there's no shame in that. Came back with a pretty good performance. And tonight, you know, I thought that she was okay in stretches. There was definitely spots where she didn't look very good, especially on the mat. But then, you know, she was able to come up in the fifth round and be okay. I think she was, you know, she was still throwing some punches. She was still kind of dangerous. Her cardio held up despite that weight cut. So uh, I think that there's some positive signs. She's a contender still. She was the number one contender. She falls down. She's going to have to work her way back up. But there's definitely a lot of fighters at 25 she can beat. And I don't think uh, her days as a contender are over. All right, guys, on that note, we'll go ahead, step away and hear a word from our sponsor. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, Bet Online, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. From their online casino to poker and blackjack, they're bringing Vegas to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. Bet Online has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on. You can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Use promo code BLUEWIRE to join today and receive your new welcome bonus. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. Since you've announced Fight Island, how many fighters have reached out trying to get on a Fight Island card? Well, we, we, we already have the Fight Island cards filled. So, um, But yeah, everybody digs it. Everybody wants to be a part of it. And for us, too, for me and my staff, it's going to be a fun, unique, you know, the, the, the safety zone. There's a 10-mile radius where it's just us. Nobody else in hotels, the restaurants, or any of that stuff. It's just us. So it's going to be fun. All the fighters have their own private training facilities and it's going to be back it's going to be a different experience you know even even veterans who've been in the sport for a long time and done a lot of cool this is going to be completely different than anything they've ever done obviously president trump is talking about having rallies again stuff like that which begs up the question when can you get fans back into the building what do you need to see before you start thinking about going into arenas i think it's going to depend on you know th this whole thing is state by state or country by country. Uh, you know, um, I, I know that there's a couple of states right now looking to open up to fans, and uh, we're talking to them. Would you consider doing a thing where you have fans socially distanced, or would you rather just, if you're going to do it, wait until you can do it fully? Yeah, I won't do that. I won't do a 50% arena. I'll just stay here. 
it makes more sense just to stay here. Uh, in New Zealand yesterday, they had their first sporting event, rugby, with fans. Could you potentially have Israel Adesanya fight Paulo Costa in New Zealand? D- was, it, was it a full arena? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know what's good is let, let them do that for a while and see how it goes and see what happens with, you know, depending on which network you listen to. Who the hell knows what's going on? So at least if, the, if some of these guys in these other countries who were hit before we were, so they're coming out of it before we are, and they can, they can see how this thing plays out, and then we'll go from there. Dana, you've talked a lot about how other sports leagues have already called you and how you socially distance and all your protocols. And I know you didn't say which ones, but what, what have they, can you tell us what they've asked for and how well you guys have done making all of this safe in terms of every, you know, and do you think it's progressing each time you do this? Well, we, we've, uh, we gave them the 30-page document that we gave to Florida and Nevada. We, uh, we gave them the protocol that we used to reopen the offices here. Um, and, yeah, I think this thing does get better every time we do it. It's getting more comfortable, too. But I'm sure it is for you guys, too. And, uh, I, you know, <laughs> I don't know how long this is going to go on, but if i got to get that Q-tip stuck down my throat one more time, I'm so f- sick of that. I'm really getting tired of it. I want to go back to the nose, if we can go back to the nose. But it's, I, I don't know how long this is going to go on, but <laughs> it's getting old. It's Heidi Fang and Adam Hill, and we're back because we had to take a quick break there to hear from UFC President Dana White, who spoke about a myriad of things. And as we've heard, uh, Fight Island, that's happening. It's real. He even heard uh, some news that New Zealand is putting on fights. Maybe he looks at that as a possible destination. But something I found interesting that he did say is if he can do a 50% gate, 50% people allowed in attendance-wise, that he said he would not entertain the idea that he would rather just have the fights here at the uc apex what did you think about that yeah it's either full crowd somewhere or doing the fights here i mean it's very cheap for them to do fights here i think that's one of the things i should say it's cheap to do the actual production of the fights i mean there's a lot of cost involved with all the testing and all the hotels and everything else but certainly far cheaper to put on fights here than it is to go somewhere else and take all of those things on the road so it makes sense the ufc wants to continue doing fights here at the apex uh if it's going to be an empty arena or if it's going to be half full uh it makes some sense i think one thing to keep an eye on certainly is some states are opening up a lot more than others and jacksonville where the ufc has already done fights they're already comfortable doing fights they are starting to really open up. I mean, they're expected to have a full house coming up for uh, a very a political rally uh, in the come the coming weeks. So, uh, I think that that is a place to watch. Like maybe if they're able to have fans back there in Jacksonville, that might be a place they go back to. But it makes sense that they're going to be here at the Apex until they can have a full arena somewhere. All right, co-main event. Kevin Vittori gets his, uh, I guess, vengeance would be a good yeah. word on Carl Robertson submitting him. Uh, he looked fantastic in there. He just this emotional tirade after the win he got a performance of the night as well to top it off he found out about that as he was being interviewed and was just thrilled uh, uh, floored through the roof what did you make of his performance yeah i mean i thought he was really good i thought the biggest concern because i I think vittori is very talented he was so angry and so emotional i think robertson came in saying hey i'm going to play off that emotion i'm going to let him get angry and let him throw a bunch of punches and and wear himself out but he didn't vittori didn't come out that emotional he came out very under control very uh well you know well within himself he understood the game plan and he stuck with it instead of fighting with emotion he was clearly angry at robertson for what happened in florida they had that confrontation in the lobby it made it a much much bigger fight it went from a fight 
not many people had their eyes on to a co-main event that a lot of people were talking about, and Vittori took advantage of that. He didn't let those emotions carry him. He just kind of stayed within himself. Uh, he had a nice attempt at a submission. Robertson actually a spectacular escape, but yeah. Vittori is able to still roll with it, scramble, get to the get to a good position, and finish that fight. I thought it was a really impressive performance from Vittori, and I think he's a really, really talented fighter. He'll be in the rankings now. He'll be looking uh, for a big-name fight, and I, I think you know he's a guy that deserves it at this point. There are a lot of performances tonight, especially in the first three fights of the night that all finish in under a minute in the first round. Is there anybody on this card that particularly stood out to you tonight as far as how they performed? For me, it was Julia Alvila. I thought she was fantastic. She just got in there, got furious really quick against Gina Mazzani, finished that fight with a just, wow, it, it was impressive the way she was able to go after her. Is there anybody for you that you thought was that impressive? You uh, you stole my thunder. Did you I go really? first, and then no that's way. good. Like, I think she's the, she's the person that stands out from this fight. Now, listen, Gina Mazzani, uh, you know, she's coming back. She had one fight out of the organization. She's coming back in. She was a massive underdog. Uh, she's not, you know, she's not a contender necessarily, so it's not, you can't really judge it like that, but I think just the way you watch uh, Vela fight, she's, she's really, really special, and I think she is a force to be reckoned with in that division. I can't wait to see her really step up in competition and see what she has because I think she's got personality uh, talked about the education that she's had and you know she, there's a lot of options that she has in the world but she just wants to do this and she's fun I think people are going to love her as they know her more and she's got the talent to go with it next week more fights at the apex June 20th we're gonna get some heavyweights inside of a small cage Adam in the main event so uh, what do you think here about the upcoming main event that's that's a fight that you know we haven't seen a whole lot of heavyweight fights in there and they usually don't do heavyweight fights in the small small cage so uh, i think you're going to see guys come out and just start bombing and i don't think you know i don't think they're going to really understand the scope of the cage really until they get in there and start to feel it and uh, i think it could be a, i think it could be a really good fight and you know uh, blades is a guy that is very very talented i think uh, we'll see him you know try to put on a show next week all right, so there you have it. That's our wrap-up here from the UFC Apex UFC on ESPN 10 just wrapped up here. And we're going to hear from Cynthia Calvillo here as we wrap things up here on the podcast. She's going to talk a little bit about her experience in switching camps, what it's been like on this journey for her, and getting back home to her roots in San Jose. It seemed a little emotional there in the beginning. And so the journey for you going back home to San Jose from the the alpha male um and then the sacramento and then all the different camps that you've moved along with how has like aka really helped you and how has it been the journey being back home to san jose honestly it's it's been crazy i mean I, i'd be lying to say if i didn't if it wasn't i wasn't worried or, or nervous coming into a fight without like going in with the new team and not being able to really you know, get a, get comfortable with everyone. Everything was a little bit off, like everything. Like I had to switch striking coaches a couple times because we had no gym, like it, everything got shut down. Like in reality, I literally probably had my one main coach which is Ron Kessler and he's been doing everything in his power to make sure that I was prepared for his fight. You know, I have my other teammates, Aunt Doe, you know, Zach helping me out too. So it's like, it's, I'm extremely grateful to be able to have people that many, but that I could rely on, you know, and it felt good to be back home with my family. You know, I got a reminder. I got a reminder of why I'm doing this, you know, and I'm, I'm doing this for my family. I'm doing it for, for all the kids and all the people that grew up in Eastside San Jose, you know, people, you know, against all odds, you know, I'm not supposed to be sitting up here, but we're doing it. <laughs> you said that, and I saw that video where you went back to Overfelt, and I know the area pretty well. Um, 
So when you go back there and, and, you know, I don't know if you got the opportunity to, like, to speak to the, the kids, and I'm just wondering, like, how they may have reacted to you being a UFC fighter. Yeah, um, unfortunately, because of the pandemic and because the, the everything was closed, I haven't got actually the opportunity to go talk to the kids yet, but that's one of my goals. Like, it's always been my dream since I started fighting that one day I was going to win this UFC champion belt, and then I was going to walk into that school and I was going to show all these kids, like, you know, you're not just Eastside San Jose. You can do whatever you want in the world like I if I can do it you can do it so um, that's that's one of those things I actually just started working with their organization called uh, Bay Area Beat the Streets and they help with a lot of like kids you know um, help them out with wrestling and being able to provide you know an, an outlet for them you know a place you know where they can feel safe and you know do great things and so I'm, I'm really excited to be on this platform to be able to do that all right we'll be back here next week at the UFC Apex June 20th for another big fight card so you'll want to keep up with us on reviewjournal.com find everything adam is putting out there in print as well and give us both a follow on twitter at adam hill lbrj and i'm at heidi fang make sure to subscribe wherever you hear this show and check everything out on reviewjournal.com